Great job. Thank you, guys. I'm tempted to take this uh, headdress off and use it. Um, We're in Isaiah 53 this morning. For that, I just want to share a few thoughts. I, I appreciate Tammy's children's sermon this morning about Twinkies and seagulls and I like Twinkies too uh, about letting go I know tonight at 5th Sunday night Cindy and I were going to sing this song together but we looked across the page of the New Baptist Hymnal we were looking at and there was a song that really just caught our attention and it's called Bow the Knee and, and so what I'm asking you tonight kind of like what she was sharing maybe there's something in your life and God has said to you Bow the knee. You don't really want to, but you know God wants you to. And so we're going to have a time. We're going to try to teach that to you tonight. It's a real brief little chorus. But what will make it work is God's people will just share experience of bowing the knee, trusting Him. So encourage that. Be a part of that. And next week, one more commercial and I'm done. Rebecca Harris will come and she's going to share her testimony. She has a very dynamic testimony of how God changed her life. And um, I know some other places she spoke, and I was told what a great blessing. So I encourage you to come, invite others to come. We need to hear about people whose lives are changed by the power of God. And we'll have an opportunity for that. So just encourage that. And uh, I want to share this morning, we've been doing a series on fact in a world of fiction. And, of course, our theme, A Lamb to the Slaughter, this morning. I want to talk about the fact that Jesus knew the moment he entered humanity while he was here to die for you and me. So turn me to Isaiah 53. Uh, I want to read verses 3 through 7. I'm going to ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor. As I read from the scripture, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Let's pray. Lord, we have already heard from you today, God, in a number of ways. Um, I have been crying as I have heard from you, Lord. And I don't want that to stop, Lord. In the next few minutes, I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we might hear from your word about you and your love to us, Lord. And I just ask that you might do something you want to do here today, God. Because that's all that matters, not our plans, but yours, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
I want to talk this morning about the death of Jesus and about the fact He knew that He came here to die. Uh, death is scary. I mean, let's face it, guys, our knowledge of it. I mean, when you think about taking a trip to death, it's all a one-way ticket. There aren't round trips. And so you don't come back. There's the, the finality of that, that that scares us, that crushes us. Um, I was trying to remember who said it. I can't think of now, but they had asked. Uh, oh, it was Woody Allen. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. There's that struggle with death. And also, we, you know, to be honest with you, as I think about death, I'm not so scared of dying as I am about how I die. I don't want to be in a lot of pain. And I don't want it to linger and to go on and on and on. Jesus knew from the moment He came, He came to die. You know, you think about that. What would it be like to that day comes, you know, when I die? And see, you know, look down and see uh, this old uh, shell in a coffin. What a thought. I heard Chuck Swindoll about a month, a month and a half ago. I was getting ready to go in the hospital, and I stopped, and I heard him tell this, and I just had to listen before I went in the hospital. He, he said uh, years ago they did this play at the church he was serving, and they needed a coffin for the play. And the only deal was they couldn't get it back for like three or four days afterward to the funeral home from where they had borrowed the coffin. And so they kept it. Uh, he and the staff were the only ones that knew. They had it locked up in a part of the church. Well, he walked into his office on Tuesday morning, and there was that coffin. And sitting on the coffin was his picture. So Chuck said, Oh my! And he said, That's my picture. He said, There were two thoughts in my mind. The first thought was, If I'm in there, why am I here? And he said, The second thought I had is, if I'm in there, why do I have to pee so bad? <laughs> he said, once he got through that, he walked over there, he looked at the picture, and he thought, I have got to see what's in there. And so he removed the picture. He got ready. You know, he said, okay, breathe slow, breathe slow. He opened the coffin, and he looked in there. And you know what was in there, guys? They had put a big mirror in there. <laughs> so when Chuck looked in there, he saw Chuck. He said, you know, it's kind of funny because he's talking about death. He said, man, I saw myself in a coffin, you know. Jesus Christ, from the moment He came here, before the moment He came here, He came for a specific purpose, and that was death. Have you ever thought about that He was able to read His own obituary while He walked upon this earth, written 700 years before in Isaiah 53? Look at it again just briefly and think about this about our Lord. He was despised and rejected by men. His own received Him not, guys. He was rejected by the people that loved Him in His community, that knew Him. He was a man of sorrows. He knew what it was like to be bummed out. He was familiar with suffering. Look what it says here. Like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. The people that should have loved Him, the people that should have supported Him, didn't. He knew that pain. He knew rejection. He took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Yet we considered Him stricken by God. He was smitten by Him. He was afflicted. Look at this part of the obituary. He was pierced. 
for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. As I prepared for this lesson, there was a verse that kept going through my mind that's found in the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 9. I encourage you to turn there. Uh, this verse has always caught my attention when I think about Calvary. When I think about the fact that Jesus knew that He came to die. And I want you to see this. It just really... It, it's a powerful thought that often we do not consider when we think about Jesus and His purpose. Luke 9, verse 51. As the time approached for Him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Up to this point, He... He lived humanity. Uh, up, up, to, up to this point, there, there were the ups, there were the downs, there were the side roads. But now, He resolutely set His sights on Jerusalem. What does that mean? It means He was headed toward the cross. It means He was headed to die. And He knew that's why He was living, was to die. So He resolutely set His mind. He fixed His mind, His full attention, His whole heart on Calvary, see? And, and why? Well, we're still in Luke. Luke chapter 19. I want you to turn over with me to verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Why did He resolutely set His sights on Jerusalem? Because He was thinking about you, and He was thinking about me, and He was thinking about the fact that we have a sin problem that separates us from God, and that had to be resolved, and there was only one way, and it was to set His sights on Calvary, and to march there, and to face what He didn't want to face in His humanity, death, suffering, sorrow, to be like one from whom men hide their faces, to not be esteemed. That was why he headed there. And he spoke of it over and over in the Scriptures. Uh, I just want to do a little march through uh, Matt, the book of Matthew. Turn me Matthew 16. And you know what? I need to... Grab me a thank you pen. Y'all, no, I'm not the only man here that needs Kleenex. We have a crying church of guys, which is a good thing to have a tender heart. Thank you, Penny. And then, of course, Lydia about... And all you ladies... To come up here and to say, God changed me. That just gets me to crying. And then to hear Lydia say, well, I have no idea how this is all going to happen, but God wants me to, to do it. And so, yay! <laughs> and I'm like, go girl! Um, that's what we want, isn't it? Just people love Jesus like that. Helps me as old mean as I can get. Don't y'all respond. Uh, okay, i got to get back to where I'm preaching, right? I don't want to be... I thought about this as I knew I was going to get in the pulpit late. I thought, whatever happens, I don't want to be nicknamed the Pharaoh preacher. Do you know what that is? The Pharaoh preacher. He won't let God's people go. 
just keeps on and on and on. Don't y'all get any ideas? All right. Matthew 16, (laughs) verses 21 through 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now imagine he's sitting in there with his guys. He's hanging with his guys. (laughs) And this is what he says to them. Guys, I have come to die, and my death is just around the corner. Now, um, Peter hears this, and uh, he says, uh, he, he rebukes him. Never, Lord, that's not going to happen to you, Lord. Jesus turned and said, get out, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. What's he say to Peter? Peter, it's not about you loving me. It's not about you trying to protect me. It's about why I came. You see, he resolutely set his sights on Jerusalem. That's where he was headed. Even so, he told Peter, a guy that he that he loved, that, that he cared about, you're not listening to the devil. You're not listening to God. That's not his plan. That's not his plan. Uh, chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill Him, and on the third day He will be raised to life. Look, it says, And the disciples were filled with grief. They didn't understand about this being raised to life, but they understood what it means to die. They understood what it means to die. Um, Chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem... He took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn Him to death and will turn Him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, He will be raised to life. They heard it again. And again, and again. And, and they, they tried to wrap their brains around the thought that Jesus, Lord of all, He's Creator, He's God, and He's going to die? He's going to be murdered when He's committed no crime? <laughs> when He is without guile? How could this be? They were struggling with that, guys. They were, he was trying to get it together. Uh, let's turn to John real quick. Uh, the Gospel of John 13 Excuse me. Um, starting at verse 23. Well, let me give a little background here. Uh, my subtitle is called Jesus Predicts His Betrayal. He is reclining around a table on the floor with His disciples. And He tells them that He's going to be betrayed and it's going to be one of them that betray Him. So let me pick up verse 23. It says, One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? 
Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it into the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had the charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Jesus clearly answered and said, the guy that's going to dip the bread, he's the guilty one. He's Judas. But as they looked, they thought it couldn't be Judas. See, Judas was the guy, he spoke at least two languages, maybe more. He was highly educated. He was taking care of the money, so they trusted him completely. How could it have been Judas? You know, and even after he said, it's Judas, they're like, nah, it's not Judas. He's going out and he's going to help the poor. You know, they did what I do sometimes. You know, I know something's going on, but I just don't listen. You practice that uh, passive listening where you just do this. Gets you in trouble, doesn't it? Sometimes Cindy will say, Do you hear me? Uh, what I say? Uh oh. <laughs> trouble on the horizon. <laughs> they heard Jesus, but they missed what he said. And Judas went out into the night, even though they had heard clearly about this betrayal. Um, that's why we have John 14, verse 1. After this, after they're thinking about this betrayal, and they're, they're thinking, could it be me? And each of them asked this question, we learn in the text, could it be I? Am I the one that's going to betray Jesus? They had no idea. So they come to 14.1, which we quote all the time, and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Because they thought, how can we live without Jesus? And he says, trust in God, trust also in me. Quit bathing in worry, soaking in anxiety. And then we come down to verse 5, Thomas. Old Thomas gets picked on a lot. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I love this answer. You know, he's wanting a road map here. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, it is not an idea. It is not something written on a piece of paper. It's me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And if you want answers, it's me. You turn to me. Not to a religion, not to a people group, not to a, a government leader. You turn to me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Okay, um, you march on here. I've got to get moving on. Okay, come to the garden in Matthew 26. I'm, I'm not going to read through here. Just let you guys know. I may mention a verse. But in 26, 36 through 39, um, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. He tells a... Three of his disciples come with me, support me while I go out to pray. He's praying in agony. Why? Because he knows why he's there, right? He came to die. And there's something about people, we don't want to die. (laughs) Survival instinct. So he's battling. Verse 39, he says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He didn't want to. There was a part of him that said no. No, but more than anything, he knew his purpose. He knew why he was there. He he got that. <laughs> he got that. So he battled 
and he finally said, "Not as I will, but as you will." He, he, you know, he finally was able, even though the, the body was weak, the spirit was willing, so he was able to drink the cup. Uh, verse forty-four: um, My father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And um, he comes, and he he finally gives it up, and and then uh, Judas comes, just as was predicted. And he comes and he betrays him with a holy kiss, a greeting of trust. And Jesus says, do what you came for. Get it over with. And Jesus was taken away. And you guys know, you know the story. Most of you grew up in church, you're aware of it. He went through these mock trials. Uh, when they came and arrested him in the garden, it was about 1.30 in the morning. Through the night, they had these mock trials. Six mock trials. There was a prejudiced jury... He had no defense attorney to speak on his behalf. Um, it was at night, which was illegal. But in spite of all this, the trials kept coming one after the other. When he went before the Jewish court, they said, Blasphemy. And in anger, they convicted him of that. But see, the problem was in a Roman court, which he had to go through in order to be crucified, they didn't care about that because they didn't believe in God. So the idea of him claiming to be God wasn't a big deal. But treason to the Roman government, that's what they were trying to convict him of. That man, he he is a political criminal. Treason. And so they they sent him and, and, and they tried to have all these claims and the best they could do was not to say that he's guilty. The best they could declare him of is that he was not proven guilty. Big difference. He went before Pilate. Pilate couldn't figure out anything wrong with him, so he sent him to Herod. Herod looked at him and thought, I don't know anything wrong, so he sent him back to Pilate. Pilate tried to barter. He said, hey, what about this guy over here, man? He's a notorious criminal, Barabbas. Wouldn't you rather take him? And we know what happened. They came back and said, no, Jesus is to be crucified. And so what did he do? He said, well, I'm going to just wash my hands of it. I don't want anything to do with it. Why? Because he didn't believe he was guilty either. And so here it is. It's 8 o'clock. The trials are over. And they take him. And in the next hour, they beat him. After they 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 beat him, he goes through these uh, horrible uh, Rejection as they take this crown of thorns, press it on his head, as they uh, physically uh, attack him. Uh, And then after that, uh, he has to march down the road. He has to carry his own cross uh, on which he will be crucified. Falls under the weight of it. Somebody else has to carry it. They get him up to the hill of the skull. Uh, It's nine o'clock. They uh, drive the spikes through his hands and through his feet. And at nine o'clock, he is hanging on the cross. Darkness covers the earth. And then for three hours at noon, those words are spoken. Of course, during that time, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do. Then he comes and he says, it is finished. And when he says it is finished, it's not like a you know checklist. Or so, I'm glad that's over. no. Finished, it means it's completed. It's been fulfilled. In other words, his purpose was to come to die that you and I might live. And it was on the cross. He is the lamb without spot or blemish. He's the Passover lamb. He's the only one that could die to pay the price for sin. And when he said it is finished, he was saying it's finally complete. It is fulfilled. The reason I came has been accomplished. Guys, that's what he was saying. You see, when he was nailed to the cross, it wasn't just his body that hung there. It was our sins 
that hung there. It was our sins that were paid for, that were dealt with. And as I come to the end of this, as this theme, a lamb led to the slaughter, the question always comes back to you personally, to me personally. What are you going to do with this Jesus? How are you going to perceive this lamb who was led to the slaughter? Do you understand that he hung there for you? To pay the price for your sin. Not just for the world, for you. You are part of the world. Uh, I close with this example. Um, There was an old story of a little boy, uh, the only relative he had. Remaining was his grandmother. And uh, they were upstairs in in her home, and there was a fire. And the grandmother tried to get to him, but she didn't make it. He was up on the second floor, and he opened a window, and he started screaming for somebody to help him. What else could he do? And there was a man that saw him. And he, and he climbed up the outside pipe near the window. And the boy, he told the boy, he said, put your arms around my neck and, and hold on. And he climbed down that pipe. And then the little boy ran off. question was, okay, where does the little boy live? And so, you know, all this went through the community. There were a number of candidates that said, I'd like to, I'd like to take the little boy in. I'd like him to be my son. And so it came for a time to settle this in a court setting. There was a farmer, there was a teacher, and there was the wealthiest one in the community. They came, you know, they gave their arguments of why they should parent this little boy. The whole time the little boy was just looking at the floor, broken. And he looked up, as he looked around the room, he saw a man that looked familiar. The man took his hands out of his pocket, and his hands were severely burned and scarred. You see, that pipe that he climbed up was hot, and when he climbed up the pipe, he burned his hands. And so the little boy, when he saw the others who wanted him, He was grateful, but when he saw the one who saved him, he knew where he wanted to go. And so he ran across the room, and he put his arms around that guy's neck, and he hugged him, and he held on. Why? Because he saw the hands. Because he saw the scars. Because he remembered the sacrifice. He, He remembered that he resolutely set his sights on that little boy in that window, and he was going to rescue him. And guys, that's my, the story of Calvary, see? God set His sights on you. You hear me? He saw your sin. He saw your predicament. He saw that you needed to be rescued. And so Jesus came. And Jesus went to the cross. And He has the scars. And when we get to glory, and, and we're up there, and we're going to be worshiping because we're going to see the scars, man. Amen. We're going to see the scars. And we're going to say, this is the one to worship. Now, uh, I'm at the end of this thing, as we say up in the hills where I grew up, stick a fork in me, I'm done. I just hope God's not done. We have an altar that's open if you need to come and pray. Something you need to give to God. Something about this lamb led to the slaughter. Maybe you have not finished business with Him. Maybe you've not bowed your heart and life to Him and said, enter my life, forgive me of my sin, change me, make me new. That invitation's open now. We always want it to be open. Everything we do when we share, we always want to lead you toward Jesus. If 
we don't, shame on us. That this morning, invitation, I'll be here at the front to pray with you. If God's working, guys, come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for being willing to be led to the slaughter, Lord. How can we comprehend such a love as that? What do you want to do this morning, Lord? You've spoken to us in a number of ways this morning. I know that. Not just a sermon. And Father, I pray that you just work through the completeness of this service, Father. Something said, um, Father, in this hour, may it be like an arrow that pierces the heart that we might do business with you, the living God, that we might come to this altar and we might worship you and say yes to your call, whatever it may be. And I just pray this morning we would have the courage and the conviction to carry that out, Lord. Um, As we stand, as we sing, may we come as you lead. In the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.